Amen, and good morning to see you. So great to open up God's Word together and to continue this series, actually finish up this series today in everyday worship, looking at different parts of our lives that God calls us to, to worship and praise Him. Um, and so if you have a copy of God's Word, I hope that you do. Go ahead and make your way to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. And I would say if you are um, just kind of searching out Christianity and, and what it is, um, the Old Testament is the beginning part of the Bible. The book of Exodus is the second book of the Bible, so it's towards the front. In chapter 20, the chapters are the large numbers, and then the verses are the smaller numbers. And so we're going to be in chapter 20, uh, starting in verse 8. And I would say, too, if you are a guest with us, we're glad to have you here with us this weekend to hear from God's Word, to be able to sing praises to Him. And as we've gone through this series, we've seen that God desires much more than just for us to sing songs to Him, but to live all of our lives as worship to Him. Now, let me give us a little bit of context of Exodus chapter 20 before we dive in and read this text, because it's extremely important. Context helps us understand what's going on here and what God is ultimately asking us to do. And so the book of Exodus is about the exiting or the leaving of Egypt, where God looks at his people and in his grace and in his mercy, he rescues and redeems them from slavery. And as he rescues them through his um, stuttering deliverer Moses, uh, right, and he struggles to speak at times, and through plagues and miracles and ultimately the parting of the Red Sea where the people walk through, then we get to this point in Exodus 20, which many of you have heard of. It's called the Ten Commandments. Now, why that context matters is because you have to see that the grace and redemption came before the commandments were ever given, okay? That's extremely important for us to understand because today as we look at specifically one of these commands that God calls us to Sabbath or to rest, we have to get the order right. We cannot try to get life and find rest apart from the God of life and the God of rest, he has to rescue and redeem you first, and then as he's rescued and redeemed you, then he looks at you and says, would you rest? Would you Sabbath? And so we got to understand this truth. Grace comes before the law was ever given. But here we find in this passage what the law says to us, what the commandments God gives us. So we'll start in verse 8, and we'll read a few verses here. It says, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the Sabbath, seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, even gets into the animals here, the animals are supposed to rest, or a sojourner, the one who's visiting you, who comes into the gates. And then verse 11 is going to tell us why we should rest. It says this. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we start by thanking you, praising you for your gift that you gave us of rest and the command that you call us to follow. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand and apply your design and your desire for our times of rest in our lives. 
Help us to be known as people who work heartily as unto you, but people who rest worshipfully as unto you. God, would you forgive us when we live our lives waking up early and going late to bed, eating the bread of anxious toil, forgetting that you promised to give rest to your beloved. God, help us to look to you and find rest today. Now let me just invite you in this moment of silence to to rest by praying that God would encourage your heart, challenge you, and speak to you today through his word. In this moment of silence, would you pray now to him that he would speak to you? Would you also pray for me as we look at God's word and we talk about it together this morning that you would help, that God would help my words to sustain the one who is weary today. Would you pray for me now? Lord Jesus, we live in a weary and tired world. And we ask that you would give us the faith and the trust that we need that we would find rest in you, the rest that we so desperately long for. And so, Lord, speak to us today. Comfort us, challenge us, change us, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, my wife and I just celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary, so excited about that. And as we were thinking about, yeah, you can clap for that, we can clap for that, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. As we were thinking back over the, the 15 years of marriage, it was interesting because our first year of marriage was actually our, one of our most difficult, if, our, if not our most difficult, uh, because at that point um, in time, I just was doing so much, uh, and, and I just kept busy, 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 busy as much as I could. So at that time, I was literally working multiple jobs. Um, I was trying to figure out this new routine of what marriage looks like and at a time and just all of that. I was trying to figure out all those new routines. And one of the jobs that I was working at the time was I was a teacher and I was teaching health and PE from pre-K all the way up through um, seventh grade or middle school. And so for those of you that are teachers know the, like the gamut of knowledge and what they can do, it, it takes a lot of lesson plans. So literally I was building three to four lesson plans for those different age groups while doing all of that, I was also serving as a pastor at a church, and so I was working and running ministry and helping to lead and helping to cast vision, and there was just a lot of stuff going on in life, and um, I mean, I was even trying to start seminary at that time. There was just so much. It was just go, 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 go. Well, one week, I just started not to feel so well. I'm like, man, something, my stomach's kind of bothering me. My wife who I now know I should trust more, right? That was first year marriage, 15 years. When she says something, I'm like, I need to pay attention to that. She's wise. She looks at me, she's like, you should probably go to the doctor. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm too busy for that. I'm too busy. I've got stuff to do. Um, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm actually leading staff meeting today, and so I just don't have time. And so uh, we went a couple more days. I'm still not feeling well. And she's like, you, you really need to go to the doctor. And I'm like, no, we've got a ministry event that we're going to. And so we just don't, I don't have time to go to the doctor. I got the next thing to do. And it was funny, in God's sense of humor, while we were going to that ministry event that night, I actually pulled into an urgent care parking lot by accident. I had made a wrong turn, 
And my wife was like, do you just want to go in there real quick um, to urgent care? We're already here. And I'm like, nope, nope, we got to keep moving. We've got something to do. And so went to that ministry event that night. And, um, and after that night, I actually felt better. Like I, I was feeling great. And so I was like, maybe I'm just kind of over it. It was just a little stomach bug thing at that time. And um, about a week went by. And then I woke up in the middle of the night with like severe back pain. I mean, just, oh, it hurt so bad. And a massive fever uh, so much so that I had sweat, not through the sheets, but through the comforter. And the comforter was wet, like I'd run a marathon and then jumped underneath the sheets. And so it was at that point, I was like, maybe my wife was right. Maybe I do need to go to the doctor. But I got plans tomorrow, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to call my buddy, I'm going to tell him, hey, I've got to swing by the doctors real quick, and then hopefully it won't affect our plans for this afternoon. And they'll just give me some ibuprofen or something a little bit stronger to help me kind of keep moving, right? Keep going. And so I go to the doctor, and they're, they're, they're checking me out, and they're, they're running tests, and they're like, man, something's not right. And my buddy's texting me. He's like, are you going to be here on time? And I'm like, actually, I don't know what's going on. They actually kept me here for a long time. And eventually, they, they come back, and they're like, hey, um, you've got a massive infection in your, your body. Um, your white blood cell count is just through the roof, and you're going to need to go to the ER, like, now. And so I had to have my buddy actually drive me. Uh, we were supposed to actually do something fun, and he ended up driving me to the hospital. Yay, lots of fun with that. And, uh, and I get to the hospital, and they run some scans and had found out that my appendix had ruptured. And um, the doctor, as they did the scans and the surgery and all that kind of stuff, said that it looks like my appendix had actually ruptured about seven days prior to me actually coming to the doctor. And is in that moment, I realized... <laughs> That we either choose to slow down and rest, or our bodies will choose it for us. And those of you that have lived a little life realize this. We think that we can go, 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 and break God's design for our life, God's command for our lives, and think it won't break us, when in reality it does. It does. And in this passage, we see several things that I want us to, to, to grasp, but God's design and God's desire for us to rest are here. And you got to understand, we've got to grasp this, this rhythm of rest that God calls us to if we're going to live every day of our life as worship, as unto the Lord. And so what I want to do is actually, I, re- I started reading verse 8, but I want us to start in verse 11. Because verse 11 is the why God is giving us this command. And verse 11 actually rewinds time a little bit and takes us all the way back to creation. And God created this rhythm of rest at the very start. So the first thing I want us to grasp is the rhythm of rest is woven into creation. It's woven into creation. Now before we start to unpack what it means that rest is woven into creation. Let me say, don't miss last week's message. If you missed it, tune in online, check out our podcast, watch that, because if you only try to do the rest portion of this, then you'll be a sloth and you'll be lazy. Last week was all about work, right? God created, he created work. It wasn't Satan that created work. It wasn't culture that created work. Before the fall, before sin ever entered into the world, God had created and established work for Adam and Eve and gave it to them as a good gift, And so work is a good gift. Six days we should work and one day we shall rest. And so don't apply this to be like, well, every day, seven days a week, I need to rest. 
No, there's a strong call from God's word for us to work and to work as unto the Lord. And so if, if work, if work is a gift from God, what this tells us, even all the way back in creation, is the, the problem in our lives that gives us exhaustion and weariness, the problem is not the presence of work. The problem in our life is not the presence of work. That's a good gift that God has given us. The problem that we have in our lives is the absence of rest. The absence of rest. And so God gives us this example, this model, all the way back in creation. And verse 11 of Exodus 20 is actually quoting the book of Genesis. And it describes six days the Lord made heaven and earth. He, he worked, he created all of these things. And on the seventh day, he rested. Now, for those of you that know the Bible a little bit, you, you, you got to ask, why in the world did God even rest? Because we know that God doesn't need to rest. God is an infinite God. He never grows weak or weary. He never sleeps nor slumbers. The book of Proverbs and Psalms tells us our God doesn't do this. And so why in the world did God choose to rest in this moment? Why did God rest right here at creation? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. But I think primarily what he's doing is he's giving us a pattern for our lives. He's showing us that even at the start of things, he created, he designed this rhythm of work and rest. And this is extremely important for us to grasp. Slow down and think about this for just a minute. Think about creation and how God made everything. The first thing that mankind ever did, the first full day that mankind ever had was a Sabbath. It was rest. Man was created on the sixth day, and the seventh day was a rest, was a Sabbath. This is important. God is literally creating us and then looking at us and saying, you have to rest. I made you to rest. And what's interesting is there at the beginning of creation, he creates us with the first day of rest and we work out of that rest when in our minds we think, well, I've got to work six days till I'm completely exhausted and worn out. And then when I'm completely exhausted, then I get to rest. But it's interesting there at the very start, God's like, no, 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 no. I want you to rest for a day and then I want you to work six days and rest for a day. And this rhythm that God created, we even see it picked up in the New Testament. The, the, the early church would gather together no longer on the seventh day of the week, right, like the Jewish people did, the first day of the week, which is why we still gather together, the day that Christ rose from the grave. And we are reminded of God's goodness and his grace, how he defeated our sin and rescued us, redeemed us, and we work out of that rest that God has given us. This is interesting, Right? This is an interesting dynamic, this is an interesting design that God is giving us all the way back to creation. And I find it interesting in verse 11 that once God sets this rhythm, sets this pattern in place, it says at the end of verse 11, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I'll be honest, that sounds weird. How does God bless a day? What does that mean that God blessed this day? And why not blessing every day, Right? What does it mean? Well, that word for bless there in the Hebrew, which is the original language that this is written in, is a word of giving. It's a word of gift. 
So what God is doing in this moment is he's looking at his creation and he's giving them the gift of rest. And then he's saying, I want you to keep this day holy and set apart. And this is what God is doing at the very beginning of creation. Now, I find it very humorous that God in creation sets this rhythm of rest and we still don't rest well. We don't. We have to be taught how to rest. Literally, we're doing a talk today on how to rest when nothing else in creation has to be taught how to rest. Think about that for a second. No zookeeper is creeping out to the bear and saying, bear, come here, come here. Let me tell you how to hibernate, okay? This is what you do. This is how you hibernate. We don't do that. We don't sit down and give lectures to owls. Owls, at night is when you're supposed to be awake. During the day is when you're supposed to rest. Nobody does that, right? Animals in creation just know the rhythms of work and to rest, and yet for us, created in the image of God, we want to buck that system and push back against that system. I mean, we have so much to keep us awake and to keep us from resting. I mean, we have lights we can turn on whenever we want to, so it never really gets dark for us. I mean, we have energy and electricity, which is a good thing and I'm very thankful for, but it always keeps the factory running. It never closes. I mean, people look at Chick-fil-A and look at Hobby Lobby and call them crazy for not opening on Sunday, right? Why? Well, there's more money to be made. There's more stuff we can do. And there's something broken with that. We're, we're missing out on God's design and God's rhythm of rest. I mean, look at what this is doing to us. Look at what this is doing to us personally and what it's doing for us as a nation. I mean, church, honestly, I thought about getting online and researching and finding stats about how weary and exhausted we are. And I'm like, you guys don't need them. <laughs> we all feel it. We don't need to see all the stats that all these different companies have run and all these different colleges around. You already feel it and you know that we're weary and we're exhausted. Something that we're doing is not healthy. Something that we're doing is not right for us physically or mentally or, or socially or even spiritually. There's something that's off and we need to find this rhythm of rest. I mean, if we think that we're going to look at God's design for us and his desire for us and we're going to break that design and be able to function all on our own and be able to never rest, what we'll find is that that command and that design will break us before we break that design. It will break our bodies. It's just the reality of it. And so what I, what I pray and what I hope for us today is that we would not be a wearisome people, but instead be a worshipful people. Let us not be a wearisome people, but a worshipful people. And the only way that we're going to be able to do this is by creating the deep rhythms of rest in our lives. You see, that word for Sabbath that we find in the text literally means to cease. Cease. Now, I don't know about for you, but for much of my life, until I started wrestling through and applying some of this, you know what my rest looked like? It looked like a lot of stress. Come to work, stress, 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 stress. Five minutes of scrolling social media, a little, little tiny piece of rest, and then stress, 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 stress. 
All right, let's get on and let's see what everybody's wearing and what they're eating today. Stress, 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 stress. And we go home and we look at our life and we've lived our life in these little, tiny, five-minute, unredemptive rests in our life. And we wonder why we're so exhausted. Because we never slow down and we never stop. We don't. You see, God and his design was that we would rest and rejuvenate and fuel our labor and our work. And we're trying to weave rest in between our work and hoping that it will sustain us and get us through. And so we finish the day and we're like, oh, I'm just so thankful I finally made it through today. And we're exhausted. We're exhausted people. You see, we don't just need these short, unredemptive rests. We need deep rest. You think about it like this. They say that you need, what is it, like eight to ten hours of sleep a night, something like that. Let's say you're like, okay, I'm going to get my seven or eight hours of sleep. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to work a little bit and I'm going to take a nap for an hour. And then I'm going to work a few more hours and take a nap for an hour. And I'm going to work a few more hours and take a nap for an hour. So you finish your 24 hours, you're like, look, look, man, I got my eight hours of sleep today. You would be exhausted. I would be exhausted. Why? Because there's something called REM sleep. Rapid eye movement, where you get into a deep sleep and a deep rest, it refreshes your mind, it refreshes your body. It's not just enough to say, well, I got my eight hours. We need that deep rest. Our bodies need that deep rest. And so we can't just stop for five minutes here and five minutes there. We need to cease. We need to look at God's design and his creation and stop. And stop for a moment. And it's only by creating these healthy rhythms of work and rest that both can be worshiped to God. Sadly, we spend so little time thinking about how we work and why we work that our work is broken. And we spend so little time resting and allowing our bodies to be refreshed that even our rest can't be worshiped to God. God desires for us to stop. I have a good pastor friend, Jonathan Holmesley. I was talking to him about this this week, and this is what he said, which I found fascinating and true. He said, what do you think it would be like if you completely ceased of your work for 24 hours? No spreadsheets, no Zoom meetings, no mopping or laundry, a full stop and a dead halt. He said this, sadly, for many of us, and I didn't even include myself in this, work is how we fight off anxiety in our hearts. It's the sandbag levy that's holding back the fear that we aren't significant enough or valuable enough. And anxiety is just another word for unrest. Our anxious heart is not resting. The very thing God has created us to do is to Sabbath. What's interesting about this is when God creates this rhythm in creation, he's not just shaking up our daily rhythms. He's not just shaking up our behavior. He's shaking up our hearts. He's shaking up our hearts. Because what he's showing is it's revealing how much we rely on work and trust in work and find our peace in work when it's exhausting us. We're trying to rest by working, and it's only creating worry in our hearts. 
And the only way we're going to get back to being worshipful people and not wearisome people is to stop and to think and to stop and to build healthy rhythms. I mean, God has created this day of the week that we would gather together and we'd sing to him and we'd be reminded of his goodness and his greatness for us. How he loves us, how he rescued us and redeemed us and called us, yes, to an eternal rest, but also to a physical rest. God is calling us to do this. And the gathering together of God's people, the early church saw it, and we should see it as well, is so important to the healthy rhythms because it matches God's design for us that he causes, calls us to pause, to think about him, and to worship him. Our worship has to go much further than just the gathering together. God does not desire for us to gather together and to sing songs of worship to him and then live the rest of our weeks in disobedience to him. That's not what he wants. That's not why he created you. He wants us to pause and prepare our hearts and our minds to remember the Lord of the Sabbath or the Lord of rest. So how many of us are actually taking time to prepare our hearts to gather together and remember the Lord of rest? How many of us are saying on Saturday night, my, my Saturday night structure is going to look different to prepare my heart for Sunday morning that I would come in? If you come in here and you're exhausted on Sunday mornings, then we're doing something wrong. If you leave here and you're like, I'm more exhausted than I came here, then maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe we need to prepare everything Saturday night so that Sunday morning is not as exhausting as we get the kids ready. Maybe we need to go to bed a little bit earlier so it's easy to set the alarm and to wake up so we can remember the God of grace and the God of love who extends to us rest. We need much more than just a five-minute increment here and five-minute here. We need a deep soul rest with the Lord. And so, yes, God gives us this design and creation. We work and we rest. It's a rhythm of rest. But second, he actually gives us a rule. He gives us a rule in his word. There's a rule of rest given in God's commandments. And we see it here in God's Ten Commandments that we would be a restful people. Now, the, the verse 8, the first command that we actually find around this idea of resting is remembrance. Do you see that? Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. The very first thing God is calling us to do is remember. That's why gathering together is so important, that we would remember. We would remember God's creation, God's design, how he made us, the rhythms he's created us to thrive in. And he starts here and he says, just remember, stop and think. Think for a moment. Think about the Sabbath day. And then it tells us to keep it holy. <laughs> what in the world does that mean? How do you keep a day holy? Well, that word holy for us, we think is kind of like a religious term, religious language, like kind of churchy language. So we don't think about it a lot. But holy literally means to set apart. That there would be one day that is different from the other days. There would be one day that people look at and they're like, yeah, that day does look different for that person. He's saying, I want you to keep it set apart and holy. It's set apart for, for something different. I mean, in a very watered down level for us to understand this. You might have friends come and stay at your house 
they want to drink coffee the next morning. You get up and you're like, I'll give you coffee, but this coffee mug is my coffee mug. It's the one I use every day. Like this coffee mug is holy for me. It's set apart for me, right? That's what he's saying in this moment. That God looks and he's like, this day right here is different. It's set apart. It looks different. It feels different. People should see a difference because it's set apart. It is holy. And God gave this this rule of, of rest right here, of work six days and rest one day. But throughout the rest of the Bible, you see that there's, there's greater, bigger pictures of rest and Sabbath that God gives. For those of you that want extra credit, you can go read Exodus 23. Exodus 23 actually highlights that God gave them annual rhythms of rest. That there's a, a six years you work and you take care of the land, and then the seventh year you actually take off. They had all these different rhythms of rest that God had given them in their life. Now, once again, I feel like there's a lot of humor in the Bible that we miss out on because we feel like we have to be so sterile and we feel like God doesn't have a sense of humor because he's so holy. And you got to realize that God created you with a sense of humor, right? Like God is the one that gave you that. And so there is humor in God. But in here, I think it's hysterical that God has to look at us and tell us to rest, you ever thought about that? Some people are like, God is so oppressive. He's given us all these commands. And he looks at us and he's like, I just want you to stop. I just want you to rest for a little bit. This is not impressive God. This is a good, generous God who's blessing the Sabbath and giving to it as a, as a day of rest and saying, here, it's a gift. Rest. And we look back and we're like, no, I'm not going to do it. In Exodus 16, there are people that are struggling to rest. We find it in multiple other places in the Bible. They look at God and they're like, I just can't rest in this moment. And today we hear that God says, we need you to rest. And we're like, but God, you don't understand. I have so much going on. I can't pause to rest. And I believe the reason why God has to make this rule and put this in place is because there's, there's these idols in the heart that keep us from resting. I think that they're primarily two idols, two sins in our lives that keep us from obeying God's desire for us to rest. And the first is ego. It's ego. It's pride. This is where I would follow into. This is the camp that I would struggle with, okay? Because you look around and you're like, rest? Psh, I don't need rest. That's for all the other peasants out there. All the peasants need rest. I need no rest. So I can go and I can go and I can go. And you look at the history of the world and nobody's been able to do that without hitting burnout or breaking their body. And you think you are going to be the one person that's able to break the combination of how to work forever and never rest. And there's this ego within us. I've got to have more. I've got to do more. If I stop, I won't get the promotion. And so we got to do more and more and more. And so it's pride. Everybody else needs rest, but I don't need rest. When we look at God's word, he's looking at us, he's like, no, 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 you need rest. You can try in your pride to, to go without sleep, and what you'll do is you'll ultimately go crazy. And you can look at the statistics. You go a few days without sleep, you start to hallucinate, you start to see things. Your body is meant to slow down and to rest. And the only way we're going to do that is to start to let go of our pride and our arrogance to say, God, you are the only one who never sleeps or slumbers. I need your rest. And if you really want to humble yourself, then read Psalm chapter 4, because it actually tells us that we lie down and we sleep and we wake again for the Lord sustains us. You know what that means? You and I, 
we can't even sleep unless the Lord sustains us, let alone work. Can't do it. So we have to let go of our ego. And the second reason why I think we disobey this command and we refuse to rest is because of deep insecurities in our hearts. Deep insecurities of our hearts. You see, we think, God, if I don't work 24-7, then it won't get done. I've got to hold everything together. God, if I don't work all the time, then I won't have enough money. I won't have enough food. Everything's going to just fall apart. And we're trusting in ourselves, thinking that we're God, holding all things together, instead of trusting and resting in Him. I mean, think about this command that God gives His people and the timing that He gives it. In this time that He gives this command, these are agricultural people. I don't know if you've ever been on a farm before, but there's no day off for farmers, right? These people would have heard this command and like, whoa, time out, God, time out. Do you have any idea how much work I have to get done? I need the Sabbath day to work. I've got to run a farm. I can't take days off. I got mouths to feed and bills to pay. I cannot do it. And what God is doing in this moment is he's calling us through this command to trust in him and to have faith in him. It takes an enormous amount of trust, an enormous amount of faith to stop and to rest in the Lord. So church family, let us worship Jesus by exchanging, exchanging our pride and our insecurities for faith and trust. You see, it takes faith to stop and say, God, I'm going to trust you to provide all that I need. I'm going to work those six days. I'm going to work heartily as unto you. But that one day I'm going to take off. I'm going to set it apart as holy and I'm going to rest and it's going to look different. For me, even as a pastor, it's difficult. I, I love to work and I love to do sermon prep and I, and I love these things. But several years ago, I made a point of saying, no, I'm going to stop. And instead of on my day off, rushing back to type out some more ideas and to put things into a text to preach, instead, I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to tell you, that took a lot of trust for me. That's hard for me to do. But I'm like, no, every time I feel the desire, I've got to work, I've got to do these things. Now I'm going to pause on that Sabbath day and I'm just going to pray, God, would you do what you can do? And would you hold all things together? Would you provide everything that I need? I'm trusting in you, not in my efforts and not in my ability, but in you. And would you do the same thing? Would you look and exchange those insecurities for faith and trust in Christ? Would you lay down that pride and say, I am not the Lord, only you are the Lord. And so I trust in you to provide all that I need. Would you lay down that pride, would you lay down that insecurity and grow your faith and your trust in the Lord? Lastly, but very importantly, the third thing I want us to see is that the Redeemer of rest is found in Christ. The Redeemer of rest is found in Christ. You see, we look at creation and we see God's design. Six days of work, one day of rest. God said it was good. It was very good. We buck that system. We want to work out of either insecurity or pride. And so God comes in and he's like, I'm going to give you a command to stop. Just rest, pause, breathe, just enjoy life for a minute. And we still struggle even with that. And we break that command that God has given us. But have you ever wondered why God 
even created us like this in the first place? I mean, why is it that God created six days you'll work and one day you rest? God could have made us in a way that we never slept at night and we could work all the time. Like God could have created us in that way. Why in the world did God give us a rule to pause and to stop and to rest on the Sabbath? Why did God do that? He didn't have to. Well, I think the book of Exodus in chapter thir- uh, 31, verse 13, you'll see it on the screen. He's given us a glimpse of why he did this, why he created the Sabbath to begin with. And it says this, you're to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you should keep the Sabbaths, for this is a sign. Okay, this is a sign. What does a sign do? Sign points you to something, right? That's the whole purpose of a sign. You come in and you read a sign, where's the restrooms? Oh, they're over there. You're on the interstate, what does the sign tell you? I get on this road or that road. It points you and directs you to something. What is the Sabbath a sign of? What is it directing us to? He tells us, this is a sign between you and me throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. I sanctify you. The Sabbath is a sign. It's a sign that points us to, to that God sanctifies us. What does sanctify mean? That means to make holy, to make clean, to make righteous. What he's doing as he creates this Sabbath rest is he's saying, you're not God. Your works aren't enough and they'll never be enough. And so when you look at this and realize you need to pause and you need to rest, you're remembering, I am not God. And specifically in the book of Exodus, they would remember, God, you rescued us. You redeemed us from slavery. We couldn't free ourselves from Egypt. We couldn't free ourselves from all these things. And you rescued and redeemed us and called us out here to worship you by resting in you. It wasn't their works that rescued them from Egypt. It's not our works that rescue us from our sin. And if you're like, Ryan, that I'm still not tracking, I'm still not following, let me give you another passage. Colossians chapter 2. And this is what Paul writes, apostle. He says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven our trespasses by the canceling of the record of debt that stood between us and its legal demands. Now, how did he do this? He set it aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you on the questions of food or drink or regarding of the festivals or the new moon or the Sabbath. Why? These are a shadow These are a sign of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. To Christ. All of this picture of Sabbath is showing us is that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath rest is a shadow that is realized by the finished work of Christ. The reality is this. If you do not know Jesus, then you do not know rest. If you don't know rest, if you don't know Jesus, then every part of your life will lead you to exhaustion. If you feel the exhaustion in your soul and you're trying to work to be a good moral person, you're trying to do the law before the grace, then you will be exhausted. You're trying to balance out the scales and you'll never know if they're balanced. Am I, am I 51% good or am I 49% bad? Where am I on all that? And you work and you work and you work and you labor and you labor and you labor and you're exhausted because you don't know whether you're going to go to heaven or not. Whether this guilt is ever going to be removed through your works. 
That's what you're worried and you're tired and you're exhausted from. Because you're not looking to Christ and his finished work that allows us to rest in our souls. But we'll also be exhausted in our physical life. If we think everything depends on us and we have to hold everything together and control everything, then we will be exhausted by not realizing to trust in a heavenly father. And if you don't know Jesus, then you do not have a heavenly father. You don't. God's word calls us enemies of God. But when we come to Christ and we look to him and say, you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You're the one that gives my soul rest and forgives me my sins by nailing it to the cross. Then we find rest for our anxious and weary souls. Let me invite you today through the words of Christ to respond to the invitation of Christ. We read it earlier in our, in our worship time, or we saw it earlier. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus extends an invitation to us. And he says this, Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me invite you to respond to the, the call, the invitation of Christ. And I love that he says, come all of you, all of you who are levy, uh, labor and are heavy laden. I imagine that some of us feel that in this room right now. Jesus is saying in this verse, are you exhausted? Are you tired? Relationally or mentally or physically? Are you exhausted? Jesus invites you to come to him. That's what he does. If you try to pursue rest apart from Christ, you will never find it. But if you pursue Jesus, you'll get rest thrown in as a byproduct. So church family, let us go to Jesus and find rest for our souls. I love it how the the great theologian Augustine said, he said this, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. Let's pray. Lord, we do confess that truth. Our hearts will always remain restless until we find our rest in you. And so, Lord, help us today to find our rest in you. Help us to find our rest in knowing that you died for our sins. We can't trust our works to forgive us of our sins. We can't trust our morality. That will lead to exhaustion. Instead, Lord, we, we look to you and your finished work, knowing that you were exhausted and you went to the cross and took on our sin and our shame and ultimately suffered and died in order to give us rest. You poured out all that you had in order to give us salvation. So Lord, help us today to look to you and find our rest and our peace. For those of us that trust in you, already know you as Lord, I pray that you continue to help us to repent and to turn from our pride and ego, from our fear and our insecurities to trust in the one who has all power and all might to provide all that we need. So Lord, help us to do that to the glory of your name. Amen.